Welcome to everyone tonight, and uh, I don't notice any guests offhand, but if we have any guests tonight, we welcome you. Thank you for being here, and if you're watching online, wherever you're watching from, we welcome you tonight. Tonight is going to be part two of Home Builders, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, what Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. So again, the context of this on Thursday nights is the building of ourselves as God's house. I mentioned this towards the end last Thursday night, but Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Notice again, he says the fruit. All of those nine, I think it's nine, all of those nine things that are listed are not fruits, plural, of the Spirit. They are all the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning the Spirit should be producing all of those things in your life. And as I said last week, they are the fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit produces them. You and I can't produce something the Spirit has to produce. What was started in the Spirit can't be finished in the flesh. The Spirit has to do it. However, Paul also talks in several places about things we are to put on. Just like you put on a garment, there are things that Paul says we should put on. Meaning, while there are some things the Spirit produces, it's not all up to the Spirit and we do nothing. We have a responsibility in the process. So, I'm going to jump at the end and then come back to the beginning of, of, this, of this chapter. I think I have the wrong... Got a little error here on the notes, but Second Peter 1, verse number 8. We're going to go back to the beginning in a minute, but after, after Peter list, lists things that are, we are supposed to add, starting with our faith, add to your faith virtue, and he goes on from there. He says, if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these things are active in you, if these things are increasing and growing, it is a guarantee that you will not be barren or unfruitful. Wearsby's expository outline says this, you can tell... When Christians are not growing, for they have these three characteristics. They are barren, or the word barren there in the Greek really more so means they are idle. They are inactive. That is, they will not work for Christ. If you are not actively involved in ministry, you are barren. You are idle. If you have the Holy Ghost, you should be involved in some form of ministry. Secondly, they are unfruitful. That is, their meager knowledge of Christ does not produce fruit in their lives. And thirdly, they are blind, lacking spiritual insight, or they are spiritually nearsighted. So these are characteristics of somebody who does not have faith and virtue and temperance and these things being added in their lives. But the promise is, if those things are abounding in you, you have a guarantee. You will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful. Does anybody want to not be barren and is there anybody that wants to be fruitful? Praise God. So let's go back to the beginning. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, all things. He has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. That means if you want to know how to have real life, there's no other place you need to look than outside of His Word. You don't need to look to the media. You don't need to look to Hollywood. You you don't need to look to the politicians. There's no place else to look outside of the Word because it has the answer to all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us Exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious. Can we just, let me, can we pause for a moment? I, I, it maybe it's just me, but there's, there's a disconnect in here. There's, there's, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the, maybe it's just the speaker, but Father, I'm asking you by your spirit and your word. Speak to us tonight, God. Lord, we're not here, I'm not here to just go through the motions and check a box off that we've done what we're supposed to do. I am hungry for what you have for me, and I believe that I am in the midst of other people that are hungry for what you have for them. I come against every distraction that would war against us tonight. I come against every spirit that would try to cause confusion or disruption in this sanctuary in the flow of your spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, God, let your anointing rest upon the hearer to hear. I trust you for your anointing to speak what I believe you've given me tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Exceeding great and precious, exceeding great and precious promises. You know, if somehow you and I could get a hold of that tonight, we have exceeding great and precious. Anybody have anything you consider precious? Anybody got anything? Any of you moms got something you consider precious? It probably does not have a lot of monetary value, but it is priceless to you. We, we have exceeding great and precious promises That by these, by what? These promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have been invited to be partakers of the divine nature. That's one of the things that distinguishes Christianity from many other religions. Whoever their creator, their founder is, you're not, you're not partaking of their, you're following them, but the difference is we have an invitation to partake of the divine nature. We, we've got the, we've got the, we've got the right to be living up where the clouds are and we're living down at the lowest valley. But we have been, not will be given, They have already been given exceeding great and precious promises that by these you can be partakers. So verse 3 says, we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And then he comes back and he says, we've got these exceeding great and precious promises. And by these promises, we can be partakers of the divine nature. The word, the, the English words exceeding great come from one Greek word that means the greatest or very great. 
I, I, I had the Greek word memorized earlier enough, but it, it's something like megastasis or mega. It's got mega in it. Mega. Big. Awesome. Amazing. We have these exceeding great. Well, it's Thursday night. What are we going to do? We got to go to church. I mean, we're, we're the committed, dedicated ones. We're going to go to church because that's what we do. Really? Or, or is what we do participating in the greatest thing there is? Exceeding great, precious. The word precious means valuable. It means costly, honored, esteemed, or beloved. It is something that is held of great price. It is precious. It is held in honor, esteemed, especially dear. We have been given these exceeding, exceedingly great and precious. That's what you possess tonight. It, it, you know what it's it I, I've been trying trying to come up with a sort of the, a, a word picture or an object lesson and I, I didn't come up with anything but I'll just try to put it this way it's kind of like having a, a, a credit card that somebody has given you with an unlimited balance that says whatever you need use this and you're running around looking trying to pick up pennies off the ground. You, you, you got a credit card in your pocket for any purchase you need to make and you don't have to pay for it. When it's done, you just get to use it and you're trying to scrape up a few dollars just to... That, that's, I'm sorry, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but most of us, are li- I said us, are living that way in our relationship with God. Now, how many of you believe the Word of God is true? I, I know we say that, but I don't know that we really do. I mean, we do, but I don't know that we do. I mean, there's a part, yeah, we, we do, but we don't. I mean, what's crazy is, how many of you believe that one day, a trumpet's going to sound, and dead people are going to get up out of graves... And go up in the air, and then those that are alive, that are ready, they're going to, gravity is suddenly going to loose its hold, and they're going to go up. How many of you believe that? You know what? I believe you are, I believe you believe that. I really do. You know how crazy that sounds? We, we were looking before we bought our previous house, we were looking all, and we went over to Monticello over on Bestgate Road. That's next door to Ant- the other Antioch Hill. <laughs> the cemetery on Bestgate Road where there's a number of folks. I thought, you know what? Well, we we bought a house here. We get it facing the, you know, if we're at the right place when the rapture takes place, we'll get a little bit of a notice because we'll see them folks go. I mean, that, that part's crazy enough. That part is crazy enough. But then you and I sit here and say, I mean, I, I'm looking at some educated people tonight. There's people in this place with multiple degrees. Some of you that don't have degrees but are extremely intelligent. You just never went through the process. And you, and you all just, you just told me that you believe one day Somehow you are going to just, if you're alive when it happens, you're just going to take up off the ground. You, you really believe that. And you really do. But you can believe that and then struggle that the fact that we have got exceedingly great and precious promises. Woo, we're going to be freed from gravity one day. But in the meantime, in the meantime... I'm plodding along. Poor little old me. Are you kidding? Paul, or Peter says, it's been already given to you. And these are some amazing things, he says. Amazing things. And we got the world trying to tempt our young people for something that's 
frivolous and got no lasting value and you're going to sell out exceedingly great and precious promises for something that can't even provide more than an evening of pleasure. He says this is, this is what has, has been, has been. A promise is an assurance on the part of another of some good for which we are dependent on him. We sang it Sunday night, I think, or maybe it was Sunday morning. Promise keeper, that is who you are. I know, I know. You and I are human beings. And what is, what, is, what is the famous saying now with promises? Promises are made to be broken. But not the promise keeper. The promise keeper keeps his promise. And you and I have exceedingly great and precious promises that were already given to us. How many of you are going through a trial right now? Maybe I should ask it this way. How many of you are not going through a trial right now? See if we get any hands on that. Pretty much all of us probably have some kind of situation we're going through. Do you, do you, do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe the Word of God's for you? Then there are promises in there that belong to you. That's what we need to get us through. That's what I need when I look at the circumstances I'm in right now. And I I don't like them. I don't understand them. They're painful. They're difficult. But if I can recognize, you know what? I've got some exceedingly great and precious promises. And I realize it may not look like it where I am right now. It may not feel like it today. But this is not the way it's going to end. Because I've got some promises. And I know the promise maker is the promise keeper. That's what you and I have. That's what you and I have been given. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath. There it is again. Past tense. You ever notice how many things are past tense that God has said, I've already done. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God will prepare for us. Hath. He's already done it. Behold what manner of love the Father hath, past tense, bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now, 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 now. How many sons do we have here this evening? Naturally speaking. Naturally speaking. How many sons do we have? How many daughters do we have here this evening? What did you do to become a son or a daughter? What did you do? Yes, you did. I mean, you didn't do anything. You did did one thing to become a son or a daughter. (sighs) You took a breath, and therefore you were. There was no... You did not have to go to school to become a son or a daughter. You did not have to earn... It was bestowed on you when you were born. Is there anybody that ever took a spiritual breath and you were born again? This is what was bestowed on us. Now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, every man that hath this promise in him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I know what I look like today, but it's not what I'm always going to look like. I know who I am today, but don't give up on me because God's not done with me yet. I know what you look like today, but if you've got this hope in you and it's working, you're not finished. God's not finished. Exceeding great and precious promises. So, so that's the, again, I, I wish I had something better, a better way of communicating. But in essence, every one of us has got an unlimited credit card in our pocket. 
But here's, here's the challenge. Here's the problem. We've been, we've been given these promises. We've been, we've been given everything. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. But in view of all of this, the New Living Translation says, in light of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. The Message Bible so don't lose, because of, because of these promises, because of all of this, don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. The New Century Version, because you have these blessings, because you have them, because you've already been given them, do your best to add these things to your lives. You do your best to add. Giving all diligence. The word diligence there is, 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 is more about making haste to do it. Don't, don't wait. What are you waiting for? I said last week, I'll say it again tonight. What, if, what did you do Monday? What did you do Monday to add? What did you do Tuesday? What did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? And you go, well, I'm here. Could be a part, no doubt it's a part of the process, but that's not all there is to it. Giving all diligence. The verb rendered giving means literally bringing by, bringing in by the side. It is one of those Graphic and picturesque expressions which are characteristics of Peter's style. God worketh within us both to will and to do. This is a reason, not for remissness, but for increased exertion. God's grace is sufficient for us. Without that, we can do nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. But, but, by the side, so to speak, of that grace, along with it, we must bring into play all earnestness. We must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The word seems to imply that the work is God's work. It is God's work. We can do very little indeed, but the very little we must do. And for the very reason that God is working in us. So God is the one that works to will and to do of his good pleasure. I can't produce it, but I got to do something. Said it last week, not, not opposed to the song. And in the right context, I'll sing it again. It's an old one. We don't really sing it much anyway. But here I am, Lord. Here I am. Let your spirit move through me. There, there was, there, I don't know, it may still be around, but I, I, I've, I've seen several times over the last decade or so this, this exercise machine, and, and you, 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 like, you, you stand on it, and you, you put this belt thing around you, and you stand there, and it just goes crazy shaking you. All you do is stand there. I don't know if they're still around or not. I'd be kind of doubtful if they are. If they really worked, every single home would have one. I would love to walk in to the YMCA and step up on a machine, wrap a belt around me and just stand there and shake it all off, shake all the fat off. That, that, that's, if we're not careful, that's the context. Here I am, Lord. No. Is it about his spirit working in us and through us? Absolutely. But we've also got to put some stuff on. We've got to get actively engaged in the process. And whether you like it or not, he is looking to see if you are adding to. 
Wherefore, seeing we are also, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us, let us, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I understand that there are things that we need God to deliver us from. We need a deliverance from them. But I would venture to say the majority of people living for God that are sincerely living for God, walking with God, you don't need a deliverance from something. You just need to lay some things off. Brother, Brother Mike McGurk shared a couple of us the other day I guess it was on Sunday, asked the, asked the youth to fast for school or back to school revival or all of it. I don't know. Asked them to eat only one meal a day and they were fairly okay with that part. But then he went the next step and said, asking you to not be involved in any kind of media. And there was an uprising. I, that's my word. Wait, wait, wait. Do you, do you notice? Do you notice the order of which the scripture says this: lay aside every weight, and, and, and the sin. I, I I think most things in the Bible are in an order of importance. They're not there by coincidence. And notice it didn't say sin first. I think the reason it doesn't say sin first is because for the sincere child of God, that really shouldn't even have to be in there. And so he says, lay aside every weight. You know, one of the greatest signs or or one of the most common, let me reflect, one of the most common signs of spiritual immaturity is when someone's number one question is, is it a sin? If all you care about is what is or is not sin, you are spiritually immature. The spiritually mature go beyond wanting to argue whether something is or is not sin. Their question is, is it a weight? Now, the Bible pretty clearly defines most sins. And the sins that it does not clearly address, there are principles that clearly address those sins. Y'all with me? About to pray again, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, sin is, you know, flee fornication, lying, and all these other, I mean, it's clear. Here's the question. That we have to figure out, what is a weight? And you know the biggest problem we have is, sin is sin, period, point blank, end of discussion. Sin is sin. Doesn't matter who you are, sin is sin. But here's the challenge. Weights are not automatically weights for everyone. How many of you here tonight, you couldn't care less any more, you couldn't care any more less about sports than you do. That means you have absolutely zip interest. You know what that means? It is absolutely not a weight. Not a weight. But then there's others here that a weight for them is sports. Whether playing them or just following them. There's people that can quote what rosters of teams better than they can quote the 12 disciples. And that's really not an exaggeration. So, you know what? I can't look at you and go, well, wait a minute, you're doing that. But it's not a weight. But it very well may be a weight. Oh, hallelujah. I don't, I don't think some of y'all like that. 
And here's what I think I hear a few of you saying. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair that this is a weight to me, but it's not a weight to them. That's not fair. You know what? Like we went downtown the other night, and I'm 47 years old, and this is going to sound really immature, but I'm looking at some of these yachts that are docked and then some of them that are cruising through, and I looked over at my wife and I said, you know what? Life is not fair. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there's, uh, we, we're trying to put an addition on our house and trying to scrounge up every bit of money for where we live. And this, I mean, there's a, there was one, one sitting right there, right near us. It probably cost probably a million dollars. Life isn't fair. That's what we tell our kids when they didn't get the candy everybody else got, but somehow we get mature and grow old, you know. And, but guess what? I don't care how old you are, it's still not fair. We went and drove. We, we did this a couple times when I was a kid. I did it a couple months ago with Timothy, and then we did it the other night. Have you ever ridden all the way down Bay Ridge and, and that road? I guess, I guess it's Bay Ridge Road, I guess, that goes out along the bay. Go, go drive. If you think life's fair, go drive that road. You'll find out it ain't fair because you don't live there. And it ain't fair that they get to. Man, and some of the houses sitting there, they, I mean, this view straight out over the bay and the bay bridge. I'm like, this, don't tell me life is fair. It's life. My weights may not be your weights. And vice versa. That's one of the reasons why we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, what, what, what's fat and what's skinny? I, I can look, I can, there's some, not here, not in here, but I mean, there's some people other places that I can look at and they make me look really, really, really skinny. And then there's other people I can look at that make me look like I'm obese. I mean, what's tall? What's short? I get the right people up here, I'm tall. I get the wrong people up here, I'm suddenly short. Weights. Weights are a lot like that. If all you ever care about, hear me, hear me, hear me. If all you ever care about is only sin, you will never become all that God has for you to become. If your only concern is simply sin, you will never become everything God has. You've got to start going, God, show me my Weights. And when you show me them, I, 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 not going to get some deliverance, not going to be some supernatural experience. I am going to have to lay them aside. Put it on, put it off. I lay aside. So he says, add, you add. Add to. Adam Clark says this, those words add to mean lead up hand in hand, alluding as most think to the chorus in Grecian dance who danced with their, with joined hands. Link up with. So, so here's the deal. We have been given these, we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. We have these exceedingly great and precious promises. But we, you and I, have to link up with that. We, we, we could walk into this room and all the lights be off. Every light be off in here and it'd be pitch black and we could stumble around in the dark and never have light because nobody goes and links up with the switch. The potential for light is in the room. But somebody has got to link up with turning the switch on. The potential is in you. God has already given it to you. But how are you linking up with it? I get... I get the uh, alumni newsletter from the University of Maryland, and it just came in yesterday, and, and, and it had featured about five or six, maybe a couple more, I don't know, but incoming freshmen. And this was one of them. Her name is Julie 
Lou, I guess. When a middle school friend of Julie died of leukemia, she wanted to know why. How could I help other people in the future? She asked herself. So for four years, notice when she was in middle school. So for four years, that means she's now in high school. She volunteered and interned at the Johns Hopkins Hospital Radiology Department, where she researched cancer cell inhibition and the effects of toxic metals from air pollution, which was believed to be a factor in her friend's disease. In her sophomore year, don't you just love people like this? They just make you feel like your life is completely a waste. In her sophomore year, Lou was the only high school student to present her findings at China's National Conference on Biological Physical Chemistry in her sophomore year of high school. And her research has been featured in two academic journals in her sophomore year. She is set to study biology at Maryland. She has spent considerable time shadowing physicians and is considering a pre-med track. She's aspired to be a doctor from a young age, a profession her father wanted to pursue but fell short. I should help my dad complete his dream, she said. Here's my point. I mean, when you're writing things in high school that's getting published, you've already got something. (laughs) You've already got something. So what is she doing now going to college? Why is she going to a university? Because there's something already there, but she realizes I've got to do some adding to. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got everything you needed that pertained to life and godliness, but you weren't done then. There's got to be some adding to. Well, you know, God's going to do the work. Yeah, God's going to do the work, but you've got to work with Him. You've you got to demonstrate to Him, God, what you've given me. I see. It's only precious depending on how you view it. I, I, got, I got multiple things. I got some things in my office. I've got things at home. I've got things packed away in boxes. That to me are absolutely precious. I, I got a rock that's in my office. It's a painted rock with a little dinosaur on it that is priceless. Nathaniel gave it to me when he was young. When was, I think it was on a Valentine's Day. I, I got this box. It was. A, it was. A, I think it was. A, a, it was a um, cufflink box originally. And Elizabeth got it. She was like I don't know three, four, five years old. And, and, and painted it and gave it to me. And I keep all my cufflinks and all my pens in there. You, you, you couldn't pay me for that. If I put it on eBay and tried to get anything for it, nobody's going to buy it. That's why you got to understand. I, here we sit tonight and there's only a, you know, relatively speaking, there's a handful of us here and the, the rest of the world is out there and we're not careful. We cause, we, we let the numbers out there cause us to determine the value of what we have here. I can't help that the rest of them may not realize how precious what I have is. But like some of you, I've come to realize there are some precious things that I've been given that they are priceless to me and I am going to do whatever I've got to do not only to protect and care for it but to see it grow and become everything that it can be how precious how precious is it to you tonight how precious but really here's the problem the, the, the value of it is not determined by what you sit there and think right now about how precious it is. What shows how precious it is is what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do on Saturday? That's what really, it's not me sitting here saying, oh, it's so precious. Tears flowing down. It's so precious. And then not even think about it until Sunday. It's not precious. when I value it and I understand what's already been given, I want to add to it. He says, add to your faith. Why does he say that? If you, if you dig into this passage and read some of the commentaries, there's 
There, there's a number of them in my studies of this chapter that they say that the, 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 the sequence here is not the importance or is not significant, but I, I really don't believe that because of the way it's add, add to faith, virtue, and then it, I, I believe there is a progression. So he says, add to faith. Why does he start with faith? Because it all starts with faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It all starts with faith. (laughs) You know what's amazing to me? The greatest miracle, the greatest miracle any of us have ever or will ever receive. Bar none, the greatest miracle you and I could ever receive, and many of you have already received it, is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by, there is no greater miracle you could ever have. And what's so amazing is, I I was young and naive and whatever, but many of you were adults when you got the Holy Ghost. And you had that most awesome experience. You hadn't fasted for weeks. You hadn't been on a fast for 40 days to get the Holy Ghost. You came into church. Your life was a mess. You were hopeless. Preacher preached. God moved. And you said, yeah, I believe it. And you did it. And by faith, you received it. Isn't it amazing that the greatest thing we could ever receive, we've already received, and now we struggle with enough faith for God to do something that's not as hard as that? It started with faith. Our problem, our problem. Hear me. I'm going on record with this, at least as a pastor of this congregation. (laughs) You hear me. Your problem is never faith. I might as well finish since I've been going 45 minutes, but, whoo, man, I had high hopes that summer was over and tonight we would feel the re-engaging. My goodness. (laughs) Faith is never your problem. I've heard, you know, they're battling sickness. Well, somebody told me, I just don't have enough faith. There There is no scriptural basis to tell somebody that. Because if you have any amount of faith at all, you have enough faith. If you've got any faith at all, you probably have a mustard seed of it. Faith is not, and with a mustard seed of faith, you can say to the mountain, be removed. Every person in this room right now, you already have enough faith. For everything God. Now, I know faith builds, and it, I, I get all that, but faith is not, as I've said many times now, faith's not our problem. Honesty is our problem. Because the man said to Jesus, I believe. But he didn't stop there. He said, help my unbelief. I am convinced if that man would have simply said to Jesus, I believe and not said anything else, he would have not gotten his miracle. I don't think it was his faith that got him his miracle. I think it was his honesty that got him. Somebody, don't do it now. Somebody should have run by now because I'm helping somebody. Or more importantly, I hope the Lord is, forgive me, I didn't mean it that way. The Lord Some of you battle condemnation because you just, I don't have enough faith and I got doubt. Doubt's not your problem. Well, I got to fast and pray and get rid of all my doubt. No, you don't. Just be honest. God, I believe. I know you can do it. I'm just not sure you'll do it for me. I believe you'll do it. God, I believe you got the power to do it. I'm just, I'm not so sure you're going to do it. He didn't rebuke that father. He didn't send him away angry for what he said. He responded and did what he needed because he had faith, but he also had honesty. That was a long tangent to say. It starts with faith. 
And so it is to our faith that he goes on now to say we must add. You start with faith. In fact, what does the Bible say? Every man is given what? A measure of, every man is given a measure of faith. I would venture to say that the measure of faith every man is given is at least the size of a mustard seed. But we've got to build on faith. So I'm going to start and I'm only going to deal with the first one, so don't get too worried. But the Lord willing, as we're talking about building this house and adding to over the next couple of weeks, however long the Lord allows or leads, to go through each one of these things and get an understanding and an idea of what they are. You can kind of break these things down into three categories. The first couple of them deal with our relationship to ourselves. Then they deal with our relationship to God. And then they deal with our relationship to others. So let's look at the first one here tonight. For this very reason, the Amplified says, adding your diligence, say my diligence, to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue or excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge or intelligence. New Living Translation. In view of all of this, remember, all of what? Life and godliness. What's needed for life and godliness being given. Exceeding great and precious promises. In light of that, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Do something with them. Do something with God's promises. You do something with them. And the way you do something with them is by adding these things to your faith. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. The Bible exposition commentary says this, to the Greek philosophers, it meant the fulfillment of a thing. When anything in nature fulfills its purpose, that is virtue or moral excellence. That is powerful. I didn't write it, so I can say it. When something fulfills its purpose, that is virtue or moral excellence. So isn't it interesting that I start with faith? That's the first thing. But the second thing I'm adding to that is striving to become what God created me to be. And if I can become what God's purpose is for me, that's virtue. That is moral excellence. Or I don't want outward responses, I don't want hands, I don't want head nods, I don't want any of it. Are you trying to become what God wants you to be? If you're not doing anything actively to become that, then you're not trying. I have to be actively engaged in that process of adding Virtue. The word virtue in the Greek means an excellence of a person in body or mind or of a thing, an eminent endowment, property or quality. Thayer says it's a virtuous course of thought, feeling and action, virtue, moral goodness, any particular moral excellence as modesty, purity. That means adding to my faith there should be things that are becoming evident as the fruit of of my walk with God. Visible things. My character, my conduct, my attire, my attitudes. 
Those things should be increasing and developing. You know, no offense to anyone here. Old, old people, and there's, there's no old people here, so I don't have to be offensive to anybody. I'll... You know, old people kind of have this reputation for getting grumpy. That, that, may be, that may be the way it is naturally speaking. But spiritually speaking, we should not become grumpy old spiritual people. Because there should be things that are improving and developing and growing in my life. You know, let's get this all straight, folks, until one of two things happen. The trumpet sounds or you die. One of those two. Until one of those two things happen, you have not arrived. Until one of those two things have happened, you have room for improvement. I should continually be striving to grow and develop. Barnes note says this, the probability is therefore that by the word here, he has reference to the common meaning of the Greek word as referring to manliness, courage, vigor, energy. And the sense is that he wished them to evince whatever firmness or courage might be necessary in maintaining the principles of their religion and in enduring the trials to which their faith might be subjected. True virtue is not a tame and passive thing. It requires great energy and boldness, for its very essence is firmness, manliness, and independence. Isn't it interesting that the world has got such an attack on masculinity? These things should be added to you. These things should be increased. There should be an increasing strength in you. Not wavering. Not tossed about with every wind of doctrine. That's part of virtue. By the way, when you read in, in, when, when Jesus was touched by the woman with the issue of blood and he said, virtue went out from me. They're not the same Greek words. When he said virtue went out from me, that word was power. It was the ability to do what was needed. That wasn't this word. This word is is about adding to my faith there should be growing and maturing. Paul said it this way. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even, shall I know even as also I am known. I put away childish things. Are you putting away childish things? We wouldn't, I mean, if, if one of you adults fell out on the floor right now with a temper tantrum, we would, we would call the paramedics. I don't, Crownsville's not open anymore, but we'd take you someplace. While it's not acceptable behavior for a two-year-old to fall out on the floor and throw a fit, it is not uncommon. Some of the... I, I, I miss these days. They probably do too, but some of the Middleton children used to call me Passa White. Passa White. Passa White. You know what? They, they grew out of that. Timothy, when he first started calling Esther, he didn't, there was no. Uh, there was a couple of letters missing. It was Etter. Etter. You get mad. Etter. And she she had, I don't know, she went through a cold or something, and he was Etter, stop snorting. That was Esther stop snorting. If if that was the way he still talked, we would not trying to belittle or make fun, please. But we would recognize there is an issue. 
I mean, if Nathaniel comes downstairs to go out to, you know, if he had come downstairs this morning to go to his first day of school and said, Dad, I need you to tie my shoes. Like, we, are your hands hurt? There's something wrong. Why is it, naturally speaking, we completely get that, and spiritually speaking, some of us have been around a while, but we still act a lot of ways. Some of you never pout naturally. You don't. But I tell you what, some of you are some serious spiritual powders. Add to your faith some strength, some stamina, some moral excellence. You add to it. You strive for it. Second Corinthians 9.24 Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in what? All things. All things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. It's crazy what people will do, naturally speaking, to be physically fit for something they want to do. Give up foods that may be their favorite foods. Go without stuff that they love. Get up at ungodly hours of the day. To train and work. Why? Because they are striving to achieve something. But yet it's something that fades away. I remember a couple years ago, I think it may have been the first time uh, Nick Saban won a national championship at Alabama in football. He made the, he, the they asked him, how long are you going to, how long are you going to enjoy this? Oh, a couple days. But then we got to be focused on next year. Because really, once you win, you're now the former champs. It's who's going to win next time. Who's going to win next year? They, they give of themselves. They sacrifice family and they sacrifice relationships. To achieve something that fades away. Paul says, we're doing this for something that lasts eternally. So he says, I therefore run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm afraid some of us are kind of like that exercise machine I mentioned. We show up to church a couple of times a week and we just... Get our fix. I'm sorry, I've used this before. Use it again. Sometimes I walk, I go to play racquetball in the mornings, and I look at some of the guys in the gym, and I'm like, why in the world am I here? Because I see these same guys. They're there more than I am. With their bellies pooched out and sweating and working. I'm like, what is the point? What's the point? Why why waste my time here? The problem's not the gym. The problem, what's going on outside the gym? The problem's not church. The problem's not your oikos. The problem's not the prayer meeting. The problem's not the youth ministry. The problem is what's going on. Are you temperate in all things? I mean, I mean, I mean. Back, let's do pre-back-to-school revival for a moment. Let me challenge you young adults and you young people. There are some of you that God, the stuff God has planned for you, you would never believe it. It is so big, you would never, if, if, God, really told, if God really showed it all to you, you wouldn't believe it. Because you'd be like, there ain't no way God can do all that through me. That's what God has already Plan already planned, but what God is waiting to see is: Are you willing to be temperate in all things? 
I mean, no offense, and, and I'm not picking on the young people because adults, there's a bunch of us adults that are just as bad, and I said us. Please note that. But how sad is it when we freak out over giving up media for a couple of days? I hear more about media fast nowadays than I do about food fasts. And the sad thing is, for some people, it's probably worse than giving up food. We, we now wear it as a badge. Well, I, I, you know, I, I didn't watch any TV for a day. And now what's sad is, it wasn't this way years ago, but what's sad is, you, you know, you can go on, you could, you could fast for a couple of weeks, but you know, we all know there's, there is a way, there's a way, there is some way to find the shows that you miss. So, you know, I'm on fat, but I I know in a couple days. Why don't you not only fast and whatever it was you missed, don't watch it. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Let your, absolutely, absolutely let your spirit move through me. Let your spirit move through me. But don't let me just be completely disengaged from doing my part, my responsibility. How many many people throughout history, some of you, I don't want to bring up painful or, or memories for some of you, but there's probably some people in this room tonight that have abilities and skills that you could have worked to enhance and develop to, a, to achieve more, naturally speaking. You're where God wants you and all that. I get that. If you're an adult in this room tonight and you don't have no regrets, you're a very spiritual person. You, you, I could have, I, I should have, I. Sorry, but whether you like it or not, or I like it or not, spiritually it's the same way. There are some things that God has put in us. But there is a weight of responsibility on us to add to those things. How are you adding virtue to your faith? What are you doing to add virtue? We have a responsibility as the church. We have a responsibility as the five-fold ministry, the, the five-fold ministry of the church to equip the saints. I know all of that, get all of that, but at the same time, there's got to be an individual hunger and desire that motivates you. I saw this, I didn't read the whole thing, I just saw the, basically the headline, but LeBron James was in tears the other day as he looked out in his driveway at 4 o'clock in the morning and saw his son out there shooting hoops, practicing. I bet some of you parents would love to walk by a room at 5 in the morning and hear a sound from that room. Of you praying, and that would mean a whole lot more to them than you out in the out in the driveway shooting hoops. Lord, your word is true. You cannot lie. You will not lie. And it states that you have already given already given to every one of us that's been born again of the water and of the Spirit. You have already given to us the things that pertain to life and godliness. And through your word, and then also many of us, you have given us promises, a rhema, a word from you about specific things in our lives, whether that's 
future ministry or the salvation of loved ones and finances and other things. You've given us promises. And so, whether it's simply the ones that are given as a result of salvation that come from your word or additional rhema that you've given, every one of us has exceeding great and precious promises. I'm asking you, God, to stir something within every one of us from the newest member to the oldest member, that there would be a fresh hunger and desire to pursue adding to, that we would add those things to our faith and build those things on each other, that if we have them abounding, we are promised that we won't be barren or unfruitful. Help us tonight, God, I pray that You would help every one of us to take an honest look at ourselves and assess the barrenness or the unfruitfulness that may be in our lives. And if we find ourselves idle, if we find ourselves inactive in your work, if we find that there is a lack of fruit being produced in our lives, that we would begin to take inventory to find what are those things that I need to be adding to so that the promise of Your Word can be fulfilled. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, it's by Your grace. We can't produce anything. We have to put forth effort. We have to work together with You, but we're still unable to produce it. So we trust in the work of Your Spirit in us, but I pray that You would help us to come alongside, to link up, to join hands with You and what You've already put within us, that we might be able to experience the fullness of what You have, that we might be able to see Your purpose in our lives fulfilled, that virtue would be manifested in us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen. I'm sure perhaps you noticed, but I skimmed some stuff that I put in the notes if you'd like it. For your own sake to read and study some more, you're, just email me. I'm more than happy to share them with you. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you throughout this weekend. In Jesus' name.